turkey comas. I hope, I hope nobody had leftovers tonight. So if you didn't have leftovers, then I can count on you being awake. But if you had leftover turkey, then I know that at some point in time, you might go into that induced turkey sleep because turkey has that quality in it, right? That just helps us to sleep. We are continuing our studies in uh, the book of Haggai, and um, we are only on sermon number two. This whole book only has two, two chapters, 38 verses in total, and four sermons out of those two chapters, four sermons out of those 38 verses, and we are only on part two of Haggai's sermon uh, as he's addressing the people with a word from the Lord. Has anybody here been in a waiting period? Have you ever been in a waiting room? Perhaps in a hospital, perhaps in a doctor's office. And um, you know what I hate? I hate when I'm in a waiting room of an emergency or a walking clinic and I don't know when the other people arrived. And I wonder what number I am on the list. That's one concern. The other concern is by priority of what they have versus what I have, who's worse? Because they take the worst ones first. Waiting is hard. Waiting is difficult. And it's not something we like to do because it seems like it's long. Seems like waiting is long. So tonight we're going to look at exactly that. We'll look at Haggai chapter 2. And where we left off last week, he had exhorted the people. Um, I'll just read from verse 3 onward. And uh, tonight our focus will be on verses 6 through 9. So let's look at Haggai chapter 2, verses 3 and onward. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How does it seem now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? But if we read that exactly how it was tended, it's, is it not as nothing in your eyes? Remember, the, the question is not God asking them, it is, is it not as nothing in your eyes? As if he is putting that before them. He is asking them in the sense of their perspective. Is it not as nothing in your eyes? And so he continues on. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the lands, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. And here is tonight's focus. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more... In a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. 
yet once more in a little while. When I, was in a ch- when I was a child and we would go back home to Montreal to visit, what do you think would be the most common question that I would ask in the car? When are we going to get there? How much longer till we get there? And my parents, either one would answer, in a little while, a little bit more, careful not to say how long, because, you know, five minutes into the trip, as children, you're saying, how long till we get there? And um, so then, of course, would come the next question, how long is that? When they would say, in a little while, how long is that? How many hours is that? And that's the way we are. Have you ever been in that place where you're waiting, in that place where you're just longing for answers, longing for the, the arrival of something? What if you're a grandparent, Pastor Dino, uh, uh, awaiting the announcement the twins have arrived? Right? Baby mom's been wheeled into the, into the delivery room. How long it seems Fair that we often will get, say to God, God, when are you going to come through on your promises? God, I've been praying for this this many years. When will you answer? Does it sound familiar to anything you have ever said to God? Yes. And God is always on time and what he has promised he will always fulfill the truth is god always keeps his promises always keeps his promises and anything that could be perceived as a delay i've been praying this many years and yet god you still haven't answered it's not necessarily that he hasn't answered but sometimes sometimes his delay is the long suffering of god consider this peter second peter 3 Verses 8 through 9 says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, what, one day, this is Peter quoting David from the Psalms, quoting the Psalms, um, Psalm 90, I should say, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day, but get this, the Lord is not slack concerning what? His promise. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Sometimes God's delay is for the long-suffering, for the working out of his promise, for, the, for what he is doing in the background, for his purposes to be worked out. Not necessarily because we aren't praying the right way, not necessarily because we aren't doing the right things. You know, oh, you have not because you haven't used enough faith. Sometimes it's because... God is long-suffering in his promises. He is awaiting that perfect time. Time is nothing before God. When you consider eternity, God is eternity. God is time. He is the author of time. It is he who established night and day, not us. And so if God is eternity and he established night and day in, in perspective, of eternity now consider what you have been praying for consider what you have put on the table before god but god when will you answer in perspective of eternity 
it's not as long. Because God is time. And so what seems like forever for us is but a short period of time for God. It's just a moment. For a child, you may say, in a minute we're going to go. Just wait one minute. And that one minute feels like an eternity for that child because they don't have the understanding of what time truly is. But with God, he was there in the past, he's there in the present, he's there in the future. Why? Because he is the I am. The I am of the past. The I am of the present. The I am of the future. No matter in what time frame we are in, he is I am. He is in that moment. In a little while. In a little while. So just as God is everywhere, he is everywhere in space and he is everywhere in time. Everywhere. If you could say, oh, God is omnipresent, that meaning he's everywhere, then he is also everywhere in time. He's also in every time. And he's always on time. So in a little while, when we look at that phrase that the Lord put there in that message through Haggai to his people, in the backdrop of eternity, in a little while is not that long. Because why? He declares the end from the beginning according to Isaiah 46.10. As I was in the beginning, so I will be in the end. Right? He is time what did he say when we looked at Habakkuk last year though the vision tarry wait what patiently for it remember it is his patience his long suffering that is allowing time to lapse but what it will surely come to pass wait patiently though it linger wait patiently it will surely come to pass but the lord prefixed that comment the lord prefixed that statement in a little while with this once more once more in a little while when you look at that verse verse six once more when you consider that you're you know this it once more something that happened before is going to happen again in a little while so what is this thing that the lord is going to do once more he has done it before. And why he is, he is coming to them from this perspective, I believe, it's just my, my interpretation, is because he's proving their trust in him. I'm going to do something once more. In a little while, once more, I am going to. So as I've done it before, I'm going to do it again. What is that one thing? There's going to be a shaking. When was there a shaking? When Moses was called up to Mount Sinai in, in Exodus chapter 19. And he was called up to Mount Sinai uh, just before he was given the law, just before he was given the Ten Commandments. What did God do in the demonstration on Mount Sinai to show the people of his presence. We'll read it. Exodus chapter 19. And it says this. Oops, I, I went too far over. It says this. 
On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now here it is. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly right now is the foundation that god is saying once more in a little while i'm going to shake he's reminding them once before i I demonstrated my power to you once before when you when you witnessed it on mount sinai he is remember he's reminding them of the demonstration of his power So just before Moses was called up, he demonstrated who he was. But then he's going to demonstrate his power to them again. And he says to them in this passage of of, um, Haggai, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth. So there was shaking number one that you can all recall Back when, when Moses received, just before Moses received the tablets, just before he received my law, but there's going to be another shaking that is going to take place. There's going to be another tremoring that's going to take place that will reveal and demonstrate my power to you. And that's found in Matthew 27. And it says this, and Jesus cried out again, with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit and behold the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split the tombs also were open and many bottom bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection they went into the holy city and appeared to many and when the centurion and those who were with him kept watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place they were filled with awe and said this truly this was the son of God why because first the law was given and before the law was given there was a shaking but Jesus came to fulfill Not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And when Jesus came and when he died on the cross, where was the proof but in the shaking that he was the son of God? As the earthquake shook and when they witnessed it, what was the reply? Truly this was the son of God. Why? Because he demonstrated his power. God demonstrated his power of his presence through the shaking that took place. And yet there's still one more shaking that's going to take place. There's still yet one more shaking that's going to come. And yet this is what the Lord is, what God is referring to when when he says to them in a little while, they didn't realize that 500 years later there would come a Messiah. And this Messiah would be the, the living son of God. And this Messiah, through believing in him, that when he would die on a cross, they would encounter this Holy Spirit that was going to 
to be sent. And through this encounter, that they would be living temples of the Holy Spirit. They would be living temples of of this power of God. And so at one time, there is going to be, there was a shaking in Exodus. There was now a shaking in Matthew, and there's still yet a shaking that will take place. Second Peter 3.10 says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. But why the shaking? Because he says this, I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. I will shake all the nations. And the King James Version says it like this. I will shake all the nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. It's speaking, what are the nations desiring? Wealth. What are the nations desiring? The gold, the silver. He's saying what is desired of those nations is going to be shaken. I will fill this house with glory. As they were reconstructing this temple, remember when we looked at chapter 1, when we looked at the first sermon, as they were reconstructing the temple, we had to visit Ezra chapter 3. And we found out that in Ezra chapter 3, after the the altar was first put in place then they started with then they went into the foundation and as the foundation was laid they had a praise and worship service and after that in this praise and worship service there were those that looked at the the uh, foundation and they were discouraged that it didn't it didn't have the size and the ambiance and and the, the what it was going to look like it wasn't going to look like solomon's temple and so the, the older priests who remembered Solomon's temple were discouraged at that. And yet the younger generation that was part of this new building and this new reconstruction of the Lord's temple were worshiping and praising God. And God says, remember when you got discouraged and I sent my first word through Haggai, and I said to you in Haggai 1, verses 4 and 5, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel houses while this house lies in ruins? Now consider your ways. Why? Because when you got discouraged, when you allowed your priorities to be misplaced, when you allowed comparison to get in there and compare this with that, It put a halt to everything. And he's saying, I'm that first temple that Solomon had built. It was, and that was full of the glory that you saw. I'm coming with a new glory and this is going to be a heavenly glory. That silver and gold I'm talking about a new glory that's going to fill the temple. I'm talking about my very presence filling the temple. It can only come through the presence of Christ. He's the reflection of what? The Father's glory. He is the Son of God, and he is the glory that is truly in the church. When Christ is present in a church, there's the glory of God. There's a demonstration and the working power of God in that place.
and in that house. So can we consider tonight that here's Haggai delivering this message to the people and he's, de- and he's standing at the very construction site. And while he's standing at the construction site and he's looking at it, while he spoke, he's possibly pointing to the altar. Possibly he's pointing the fo- to the foundation. And he's saying to them, can you anticipate, can you hear what God is saying to you? What could, what could come of this? For the Jews, they would hear when God is saying to them, I, I will shake the heavens so that the treasures of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. Can you imagine Haggai delivering this message, and he's pointing to the foundation, and he's pointing to the altar, and he's saying, the Lord is saying he's going to fill this place with his glory. Perhaps their mind went back to kings. Perhaps their mind went back to the remembrance of when, the cl- when Solomon's temple was filled with a cloud of God's presence. A cloud, a, a cloud filled the house of the Lord. So what happened to the priests? They could not even stand to worship. They could not even stand to minister because of the weightiness of the cloud of the glory that filled that temple. What about Chronicles? Maybe they remember when the house was, was dedicated and it was uh, in Chronicles 5, 13 to 14. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and the singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical intru- instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. What happened? The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. And so perhaps as Haggai is speaking this way, perhaps as he's pointing to the altar, perhaps as he's pointing to the foundation, they are recalling to their minds when the cloud of God's glory filled Solomon's temple. And they're thinking to themselves, but here we, 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 we don't have the money to invest in that temple like Solomon had. We don't have the money to buy the gold and the silver for the temple. We don't have the money. And remember, because the Lord said to them, you're putting it into your panel houses while my house lies in ruins. And so perhaps they're, they're digesting all of this in their mind, the cloud of God's glory the, and, and recalling it and how the priest couldn't minister and how the priest could not even stand in that presence of God. And as they're recalling this to their mind, maybe they thought, how could anything, how could anything be greater than that glory? And yet God is saying to them, he is going to fill this house with glory, but it's going to be in a greater measure. How could anything be greater? They didn't understand what was to come. You see, when we're driving to that trip to Montreal, that's a six to eight hour trip, depending on how many stops, depending on traffic, so forth. And so in the anticipation of wanting to arrive there, sometimes you miss out in your anticipation on what to expect. On the other side, you can't fathom it because you're caught up in, in the length of the time of how you're waiting. Don't let the length of your wait determine what you think the outcome will be. God has a heavenly glory that he is going to demonstrate to his people. 1 Corinthians 6, 
19 to 20 says this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. God is saying, listen, I'm not caught up in the grand and the, and the spectacular. That's not where I showed, show up. I'm not showing up in the multitudes. You know, sometimes you can see on TV, there are some churches that have the moving lights. There are some churches that have everything that just makes it look so spectacular, almost similar to maybe a concert, right? And it could look like, wow, how great. That church has some, and God's saying, look, I'm not caught up in the grand and the, and the spectacular. I'm not caught up in, in the multitudes of numbers. I'm not caught up in the big displays. I'm more concerned with the temple. Is the temple worthy of me showing up? Is your temple worthy of his presence? It all boils down to this. When Jesus came, he came because he was a promised, he promised that it, we would have a comforter, right? And what was this comforter? He says, I'm going to be with the Father, but I'm going to send a comforter. Who was this comforter? The comforter was the Holy Spirit. Are, you are a temple of his glory and his presence, but who, who comes to dwell inside of you? That Holy Spirit, the representation of his presence and his glory. And Ephesians 3.19 lets us know this. And know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, what? Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is his spirit. The glory of the Lord is in you. The glory of the Lord is manifested through you, through the working of what? His Holy Spirit that is resident in you. That's how the glory of the Lord is ministered. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 through 7. For God said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our, dark, in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. His power that comes to dwell in us is the Holy Spirit. His power that is revealed and operating in and through us is what? The power of the Holy Spirit. Where you go, you are a demonstration of that. You are filled with the fullness of God. You behold or you reflect his glory wherever you are wherever you go and you are being changed you are being transformed from what glory to glory when he is talking of the glory coming to his temple he is referring to jesus and he's referring to the work that he wants to do in and through us that temple was a, a physical thing 
a physical building, but the temple that we are applying to today is your life and my life. Are you a temple of the Holy Spirit? Is the glory of God dwelling inside of you? Is your life demonstrating his operating power working in and through you? Some people might say, but God, how could you work in through me? But Lord, you know, I fail so many times. That's again how he works in and through you. Because you know what? In those times when you are weak and in those times when when you fail, his Holy Spirit comes when you surrender to him. And you say, Lord, in my weakness, would you make me strong? Lord, in my times when, when I fail, in my times that, Lord, I, I, I've made mistakes, in the times, Lord, when I am not reflecting you right, would you come and would you fill my temple with the presence of yourself that I would be that vessel used of you? Remember the song? Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, fill me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. Right when we bring ourselves to the Lord and we say, Lord, take this cup. Empty me of me. Empty me of me and fill me with you. Fill me till I want no more. And in other words, fill me to that place where I, I, humanly speaking, I can't even take anymore. And in other words, I'm overflowing. When a cup cannot hold anymore, it overflows. And so when we go before the Lord and we say, Lord, you know what? I want to be a demonstration of that glory that you're speaking about in Haggai, that once more that you're going to come in a little while and you're going to shake everything. I want to be a demonstration of that glory in my life. In the morning, you could start your days like this. Lord, as I pour my coffee into my cup, would you pour into me all the measure that I need of you this day? That in everything that I do and in everywhere that I go, that I would be a direct reflection of who you are. A direct, re, a, a direct reflection of Christ that lives in me. God had Haggai say to them, look, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. Why? Because they had their priorities in the wrong place. Their priorities was on worrying We're falling short. We're never going to make this look like Solomon's temple. And he's saying, no, no, no. I'm going to shake the earths and the heavens. And that, what the world desires, that's all coming back to me. If I wanted that for this temple, I would have provided it. I'm the Lord, your shepherd, the one who provides I'm the, the, the psalmist said, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they, 
but they that are righteous, they will not lack anything, right? Philippians 4.19, that says that it, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. If he was concerned with the temple looking like Solomon's temple, then he would have made provision for that temple to look. But he's speaking of the temple of their lives. And he's saying to them, it's not about the silver and the gold. I would have provided it if that were the case. The glory is to draw others to me. It's not the, in the physical, in the physical building. It's in the spiritual. It's in the spiritual splendor of my glory. If I wanted to adorn this temple that, that is being built by Zerubbabel with all the things that was adorned in, in Solomon's temple, then I would have made it as such. But I'm painting a picture, my people, that this temple is a direct reflection of the one that is to come. And the one that is to come is my son, Jesus. And when he dies upon the cross and the Holy Spirit comes as he come, returns to me and the Holy Spirit comes to fill you, then there's going to be that reflection of my glory in you. In a little while, there's going to be a shaking. There's going to be a greater glory. It was never about the adornment. It was never about the adornment. It was always about his glory, him wanting to fill the temple with his glory. It's never about the demonstration. It's about filling your vessel with his presence. It's about your life being daily filled by him. How? By the word of God, by saying, Lord Jesus, come and fill me. Fill my life, Lord. Fill me up and make me whole. Fill me up that I may overflow. Fill me up where I can't contain it, that it just comes out of me. That that glory that was meant to be seen would be seen in me. And what does he say? This greater glory, right? So verse 8, the silver and gold is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace. The only way that this latter glory could be greater is for Jesus to come. They didn't understand it in that moment and in that time. He's saying, you're worried about building your houses. You've put my house to rest, and now your purses have holes in them. Consider your ways. What is God saying to you tonight regarding the filling of, the, of your temple, your vessel for his glory? Is it a fast food is it a fast food diet? Oh, we well, got five minutes. Okay, here we go. Okay, bless. And Lord, we thank you for this day and bless it. And, and onward and upward we go. And, but the Lord wants to fill you to an overflow that he may demonstrate his glory because in a little while, brothers and sisters, we're in that place again. In a little while, there's gonna be a final shaking a final shaking of this earth in which he is going to come and he's going to demonstrate himself in who he is. But he said one last thing. 
the final glory that we see in this temple, in the final glory that we will see is the glory that points to Jesus. Jesus is that greater glory. Why do we know this? How could we be confirmed in this? John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What does Revelations 21 say? And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Why? Because the result of all this great glory is peace is peace because when everything is said and done that how could there be no tears how could they be dried up but that that peace is there that wholeness is there that hebrew word for that word for peace is shalom shalom means completeness soundness welfare he comes to bring the completeness of all things he comes to bring the soundness of all things he comes to bring the welfare so god was saying to the to them in this place in this temple in this temple when your eyes are fixed on me i will bring my peace my wholeness my soundness I will complete that which concerns me. What's the waiting place that you're in? Are you in a waiting place? Have you brought prayers before the Lord? Are you waiting for answers from the Lord? What's your waiting place? His promise is this. He will fill the temple with his glory. His promise is this. There is going to be an answer. There's not a delay. Wait patiently for it. Whatever you are in the waiting room of God for, the answer is this. In a little while, there's going to be a shaking. And when that shaking takes place, it will be the answer and the fulfillment to all things. Can Haggai's promise be something that gives us assurance today? Can Haggai's word from the Lord for the people of Israel at that time be a word for us today? Absolutely. In a little while, there will be a shaking, and that shaking will bring the fulfillment of all shakings. It will be greater than the shaking of Exodus. It will be greater than the shaking of when the Lord returned to, when the Lord died on the cross, and the veil was torn in the temple, and the earth shook to demonstrate that the Son of God died. But yet there will be a greater shaking. And that will be the shaking of when he returns. And that will be the fulfillment of all things. Can you call on him tonight and say, Lord, fill my cup. Lord, fill my temple with your glory. Fill my life that wherever I go, 
I am a demonstration of your glory. I'm a demonstration of your power. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, we would see all the attributes of Christ. We would see healing. Every, when you look at the attributes of Christ, when the spirit of the Lord is present, we would see a manifestation of his attributes. We would see peace. We would see comfort. We would see the miraculous. Why? Because it's a demonstration of his glory. Let's not look for the cloud, but let's look for the Christ who's coming through the crowd, cloud to be a demonstration in our lives so that others can come to know him, so that others could be one to him. That's the long-suffering of Christ, that others may know. The answers have not yet come, but in his long-suffering, he's bringing the answer to you. There's going to be a whole lot of shaking going on, but in the meantime, we're here to pray. In the meantime, we're here to say, Lord, fill us up. Fill each each of us up in this house. And so, Father God, that's how we seal it tonight. We say, Lord Jesus, come and fill us. Come and fill us, Lord, with your glory and with your presence. Lord, with every individual that is here tonight, I pray that you would deposit your glory and your presence within us that would bring wholeness, that would bring shalom, that would bring completeness. Lord, Whatever we are struggling with, whether there be sick among us, I pray that your healing would be manifested. Lord, if there is confusion, I I pray for sound mind. Oh God, if there is any, Lord, inhibition towards serving you, if there is anyone who is caught between two opinions, Lord, I pray that you would bring the answer, Lord, and that you would fill us, that we would be demonstration of your glory to the watching world that is around us. Lord, may we never walk around half empty. May we never walk around, Lord, with just an apathetic attitude, but God, may we walk around overflowing, leaving a deposit of you wherever we go. And with whomever we come in contact with, oh God, may their lives be enriched. Lord, I pray for your glory, the weightiness of your glory to rest upon each of our lives here tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen.